The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome on to a Friday edition of Hollinger and Duncan here from the great city of Utah. Shout out Dirt Nowitzki. And uh, so, John, you ready to do uh, a, a good hour here on Hornets Jazz from last night? Yeah, let's let's break it all down. Uh, you know, let's really get into the nuances of JT Thor's pull-up game. Well, uh, thankfully, JT Thor is no longer in the rotation, nor is Bryce McGowan's, nor is Nick Smith Jr. They have uh, actual guys who at least used to be NBA players now <laughs> in their rotation. They've won four, four in a row. But that, four in a that, row. Break up the Hornets. I know. Yeah. No. But sadly, perhaps a, a topic for Dunked On rather than Hollinger and Duncan, because we need to discuss coach rankings yes. here. And uh, let's begin by talking about the criteria we use to evaluate coaches, John. Yeah, Um I think at the top level, especially, you know, the ability to make adjustments and win playoff series and the games that matter the most, I think that's a big deal. Uh, but I also think the ability to develop players and improve them during the course of the season, uh, the ability to not just make tactical adjustments, but have command of the locker room, get guys to play hard. I mean, it's a tougher thing for us to see, but having been on the inside, like it's it's a huge part of what a coach does is just get, get everybody on the same page and playing to their kind of maximal level and obviously strategy plays a part in that too but I think fans a lot of times only see the strategy or that coach is playing player x over player y and the ability to get guys to play hard and compete every night is probably the more the more salient uh, ability for a coach especially in the regular season yeah this is going to be a difficult ranking again I think because some of the guys who have more championship experience more playoff experience uh, aren't necessarily getting as much out of their teams in the regular season where some of the best regular season coaches we just haven't seen them as much at that playoff level in the crucible as yes. we like to say here yeah. on the program and I think for me, though, the number one thing I look at is what my perception is of their talent on a yearly basis and what the results are. Now, playoff results definitely going to weight more heavily than regular season results. But uh, despite what some people might tell you, the regular season does still matter quite a bit uh, and you have to in most if not all cases be good in the regular season to also have a successful postseason so now of course the coach as you noted with player development can influence uh, the talent he can get that talent better he can get it to play more cohesively and sometimes you can run into an issue like i would say mike budenholzer in his bucks days suffered from this where and maybe you could say quinn snyder with utah as well where they have this huge breakout year with this talent that wasn't supposed to be that good and 
And then you kind of just bake in that the talent is good after that. And you kind of forget that it was the coach that helped them get to that level, like say Mike Budenholzer did in 1819 when the Bucks started this run. Um, let's see. Any, any other topics that we should hit on here is just a potential way to evaluate a coach? I mean, length length of success, I think, is the other variable. And that, I mean, again, this, this was a really tricky year to do this, I found, um, because a lot of the young coaches, are kind of having a better year than a lot of the veteran coaches. So uh, it, was, it was really hard to put this list together. No, I think it gets harder every year. And that's a, to me, a tribute to the improvements in the coaching profession over the last 10 to 15 years. I mean, we've had a, a couple of doormats annually these last few years, but it used to be you kind of had 10 guys where you're just scratching your head or you had, you know, the Byron Scott Lakers tenure, yeah. just a, a lot of times where you're just like, man, like this guy just shouldn't be coaching clearly. And I think there are very few of those at this point or at least if you for some of the most head scratching coaches actually have had you know pretty good records and then they've been uh kind of doing some crazy stuff lately um yeah. i think har- yeah this is one you could talk about harmony with the front office you know do you are you can you get on the same page with the rest of the organization yeah that's a that's an underrated one i i agree with that and uh because it that's that's the way that the team the whole team moves forward so some guys have a more developed under understanding of that maybe it's not about them than than others let's say <laughs> well and sometimes maybe they're right to make it about them because they feel like the front offices like steve clifford might be going through this uh, right now a little bit uh where you know the front office did uh, i mean they're so far in the tank right now it doesn't really matter that much if they yeah. win games going forward although if they keep winning every game that could end up being <laughs> a slight problem for for the organization but I, I think steve's been in a situation a couple of times where he's had under talented teams and maybe you know when i say right to be you know just for his own personal success and mm-hmm. you know you start you get guys who start maybe looking at the next job because they know that it, it's kind of they don't want to be the coach of a team that's rebuilding and trying to develop so that's you know that could be both you know fair but also you say hey like this is the job you're supposed to do the job that the front office hired you to do in that season um let's see yeah i mean i think just accountability with players you know being able to you know if there's a guy who needs to be taken to the bench like getting him to accept that getting the team to still play hard in that instance getting that player to still play hard in that instance um obviously late game stuff is a big thing as well that's me i'm not gonna try not to make that too outsized but i also think that that's because that's where a lot of games are won and lost you know if you're making kind of obvious mistakes there that's gonna be a problem um yeah okay i think that's and i guess also we should say our criteria here is you know who do we want coaching basically a random nba team you know there are some guys who have done well with certain types of teams and not others and if you have a resume where you've succeeded with multiple types of teams that's going to play very highly in my estimation yeah okay let's begin with number one tier one and of course when we talk about tiers two that's the idea is that in our individual minds there's an argument maybe that even though we're ranking someone lower if they're in the same tier that they could be higher when you kind of draw a tier line you're like okay we think this guy's clearly below this other guy if he's in a lower tier so yeah tier one Um, yeah so everything else about this exercise was hard uh tier one number one was easy uh this is the easiest thing on the board i mean eric spolster has got to be number one yeah i think so i it just 
We had him number one, I believe, last year. And uh, certainly nothing that's happened since then would be any reason to lower him. And I don't think that anyone else has been so good that they're threatening to get up there with him, particularly given the length of his track record. Yeah. Uh, when you look at straight uh, player development, obviously, is a huge one. Um, you know, hashtag heat culture, like definitely gets guys to play uh, to play for him. And then uh, in the coaches his best in the biggest moments, his use of zone defenses to throw teams off kilter uh i I think it's been brilliant uh, and there, it just kind of doesn't miss a trick t- to me. And as, as you said, I mean, it's it's gone on so long now, and I think he's still really at the peak of his powers, too. Certainly based on last year's playoffs, taking an eight seed to the NBA Finals, you would have to think that. Um, he's, it's not like he's got a bunch of just like awesome wing shooters who can do everything that you throw in that are so easy to fit around. You know, his two superstars, neither of them can shoot. Yeah. And yet he's able to find the pieces around him. He's able to get something out of, say, a Duncan Robinson, you know, who's been a critical piece for them at times, despite being one of the worst defenders in the NBA, being able to go zone to tailor his group around him or get something out of Kevin Love as a starter last year when he wasn't even playing in Cleveland and this year playing him at backup center. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know being able to get along with jimmy butler you know i, I think that's he's a, a guy who's chafed everywhere else and he's chafed in miami yeah. too but eric spolstra you know kind of there's that famous clip where he kind of goes right back at him but then he's like you know oh we're not gonna like we don't have to suspend jimmy butler now like we're just gonna continue just water under the bridge and as long as he plays hard we're fine with that um the development of jaime haka is just another feather in their cap this year it, it haywood highsmith is someone that they've gotten something out of it, as well so it's really and you know last year's run to the finals is one of the best runs that we've seen from a coach yeah and to really make i mean we're talking about three deep playoff runs in four years too with teams that you wouldn't necessarily say it was preordained that they were going to get there are there any warts on his coaching resume at all? Man, I'd have to th- I'd have to think really hard about this. Like, is there is there anything? I mean, there la- lackluster take- regular seasons, other than uh, the twenty two season. Yeah, that that might be the only one. Although I think that's that's a little bit baked in with the number of games their best players have played. Yeah, and that Jimmy is just more of a playoff guy than. And could you say that even his willingness to like kind of be okay with what's happening in the regular season is is that even maybe a strength in some ways when you have this sort of a team? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, he he doesn't lose his shit when they you know when they drop a couple games in November, and so I think I think he like he he manages to straddle that line between being super intense but never never losing sight of the of the bigger picture too i think that's a really hard hard balance for coaches and to miami's credit i think having job security does make that easier for him than it would be in some other places and he's succeeded with pretty much every type of team at this point he's succeeded with the superstars he's succeeded with kind of that under talented bunch in the middle part of the last decade and then since getting but and he he navigated the Dwayne wade thing where wade was still kind of a legend and then he then he comes back and he still has to has to play him even though he's not really that good anymore and he can't shoot you know he he managed that reasonably well to still have successful groups and then of course has gotten so much out of this jimmy butler era as well um did you have anyone else in the same tier with him last year or did you have him by himself 
I I honestly don't remember. Um, I, I felt like maybe I had people in, in a tier with him. I had Steve Kerr there. I feel slightly embarrassed about that now. Um, not that I, I still have Steve actually in this next group, but I, mm-hmm. Steve was still was coming off a, I, what I thought maybe was his either probably his second best coaching performance in that 22 championship run. So I was oh, still yeah. giving him credit for mm-hmm. that. Um, it, he's in this next group to me now, tier two. Uh, what do you make of Steve Kerr? in his coaching these days i think he's done a pretty good job this year with a a challenging team i mean he could have you can argue he could have gotten to kaminga more quickly i still don't really understand why lester quinones plays ahead of moody um so you can you can ask some questions about that um you know did they give draymond too much rope possibly uh i think uh, you've pointed this out many times i think his emotional intelligence is a real strength yeah, I, I mean, you've seen his leadership uh, with uh, the, the death uh, of uh, Decky as well, which I've actually been thinking about yeah. a lot since I've been in in, uh, in Salt Lake the last couple of days. Uh, you know, I, I think you, you, I don't know how much that translates like winning games on the basketball floor. I think it does to some degree to just have players respect you so much from an emotional standpoint, but you know, clearly is, is just one of the more like rock solid people and leaders, you know, that aspect of his coaching. I think it is pretty much unassailable. Yes. And, uh, you know, obviously that, that 22 season two, I mean, that that's another team where like, it wasn't preordained at all that they were going to win the championship that year with that, with that roster, even though they, you know, they got off to a, a gangbuster start. I mean, it was a, it was a 53 win team. That was the number three seed. Right. Yeah. So historically that's not like, yes, <laughs> you know, start the parade. Yeah. And while uh, Andrew Wiggins has been up and down, like he, I, I can't remember it was who was like oh yeah Andrew Wiggins turned into Scotty Pippen for for two months under under yeah. Steve but like you know it's, and Andrew Wiggins starting the all-star game that year was ridiculous but he got him to play at like a really high level he got something found a way to get something out of him that he was not you know, no coach uh, has been able to get out of him before I think this year his willingness to play Brandon Pajemski move Clay Thompson to the bench I think he, he has navigated that situation reasonably well it's been a tough year for him because some of the old Lions Kevon Looney being another one Clay like those guys have just really struggled Wiggins was just awful for no reason for the first two and a half months of the season now he's come around he didn't play Andrew Wiggins and Kaminga together when they didn't have Draymond Green because it didn't work and now that they have Draymond my greenies went back to that group and they've started to to surge um you know i think i agree with you they probably should have been getting more out of kaminga these last couple of years like to not have him playing at all in the playoffs last year was probably a mistake but uh, i think overall we'll see where they end up this season but uh and he's just had to navigate a lot of stuff the last couple of years and i, I still think that he you know we haven't seen him with another franchise with uh, other players but i think going back to where this group was before he came in i still think he would have to be not my number two but i think he would have to be in in my top five just because i mean the guys won four championships like you don't do that unless you're a really good coach yeah so i had i had him in this next tier i had him so i have a tier of four coaches um i actually had kerr at the back end of the tier though Um, yeah i i do also i i think i just transitioned to him because i had him higher last year The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? 
That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The guy I put at number two, I think it's been very slow to get his flowers, uh, Michael Malone. Yeah, I wanted to talk through this next group with you, and mm-hmm. I I thought that Michael Malone had a little bit too much of this kind of old schoolism. That's that's not my kind of coach necessarily. Uh, and the criteria here, if we didn't get into it again, is just you know who would you want coaching? And I think actually this is the one thing too that who would we want coaching our team for the next five years as well, like mm-hmm. a random NBA team for the next five years. So that's that may play in with some of these guys going forward here. But yeah, I mean, what is the case? for Mike Malone at, at number two in your eyes? Uh, I think uh, it's done a great job of player development, done a great job of uh, not getting too high and, and too low with the rhythms of the season and been able to still have these guys taking his message in year, what is it, nine, 10, whatever it is. Um, I, I think that's really important. Um, he's coached kind of, I mean, he's had Jokic almost the whole time, but he's coached different types of, of teams. And I think he's had at least some success, even, even even from the beginning. Like you could just tell Denver was like doing that rebuild right and that it was going <laughs> to advance. You, you didn't know if it would end in a championship, obviously. But obviously having Joker makes life a little easier, but you never, you also never, never hear anything about like oh yeah Joe you know Jokic is isn't really feeling this coach or whatever like there's nothing like that they are they are kind of locked in together so I, th- I think that's been a big thing I think he's been able to get a lot out of Michael Porter Jr. where he could have been a difficult guy for some other coaches uh, so I, I give him a lot of credit. Yeah, I think his evolution is something that he doesn't get enough credit for, where to be the right guy for a group that was learning how to win. I mean, he started coaching the Nuggets in the 15-16 season. This is now his ninth year in Denver. And you know, he had basically two losing seasons before. They were close to playoff contention his second year. Uh, and then they... Uh, even in 18 they won 46 games but didn't make the playoffs so he, three non-playoff seasons in a row and then they went 54 in 19 and they're often running with a, a group that was going to be a contender when they were healthy after that and I think when he had a younger group that he needed to teach lessons to that he needed to drive hard to be hard on you know though I thought the way that he brought up Jamal Murray and didn't just kind of hand things to him early on ended up being good for him in the end to recognize the talent in in Nikola Jokic and don't forget like they had a guy at that same position Yusuf Nurkic who they drafted who was looking like a great prospect himself and to manage that transition into Jokic and Jokic like I think people look back on it now it's like oh what an amazing story out of Sampo Serbia it's like I don't think it was like you know guaranteed that this guy was going to come in and become the best player in the NBA obviously he had a lot of talent but yeah. you know he needed to learn a lot of things I think he, he needed to get better control of himself emotionally he 
needed to get much better defensively, which he has he needed to get it in better shape. I think Malone really helped with all that. And then in last year's playoffs, you know, tactically, I think there was really, it was hard to find anything that he was doing poorly, especially when, you know, you go uh, 16 and four. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. And, and you're never really challenged in any series. Uh, I think they just, they really, they had the answers. Part of that is Jokic, but they had the answers for a, a lot of tactics that were thrown at them, none of which ended up really working in the end. And if you, if you don't remember, he actually kind of changed what he was doing with his rotation late in the year last yes. year too, yes. uh, to use Jeff Green as the backup five, just go with eight guys. And that was the thing that really took them to another level. Yeah, because you're like, what are they going to do when Jokic is off the floor? And they actually, I, I can't remember whether they statistically won those minutes or not, but they did as often as they didn't with that Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green backup front court, not fucking around with like he, I, I mean, this is, this is a, an example, right? Like he works in hard with the front office but also like you know a couple years in a row they traded a bunch of seconds for a center and michael malone was like no nah, this isn't gonna work i'm gonna just bench this guy yeah and he and that was the right decision both times with the uh, javel mcgee and thomas bryant absolutely yeah so i, I think I, I gotta still think let's talk through some of these other guys and whether i have them at number two but certainly a, a strong candidate uh for that and you know he probably yeah maybe maybe i mean if you're just looking at the coaching record over the last few years like you probably would have to say that he's earn that spot because the the other guys just either haven't had the playoff success or have kind of had some down years or flubs or whatever yeah absolutely um so i have two other guys in this tier yeah uh, one of them, and from very different uh, polls in the, in the experience side. All right, so the one guy I have here is Rick Carlisle. Interesting. Yeah, I, I went one group down for Rick Carlisle, but yeah, okay. let's, uh, I'd like to to hear your thoughts on why he uh, why he belongs in this group. I think he's. I think he's a. He's proven himself in the postseason that he's yeah. be tactically excellent. Then um, I think he's done some really cool stuff in in Indy to kind of maximize the roster he has here and going. Going from like a coach who played very slow and, and, you know, wanted to kind of command everything to just handing the keys to Tyrese Halliburton and saying, we're just going to play fast as hell and run you into the ground and kind of optimizing a style for that. I thought that was, you know, quite an evolution for a coach that far into his career and I think shows kind of his mental flexibility. Uh, plus, yeah. he went to Virginia. So, you, you know, he's a genius. <laughs> Do they, is there just like was there something in the water in Virginia in, in, in the eighties to where just like everyone just like lost their hair like you know ten, ten years later so like is there some sort of tort tort lawsuit that like you know in, in Charlottesville that uh, you know the plaintiffs lawyers of America should be aware of? Ooh, it's, a, it's a cold morning here. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, so <laughs> back to Carlisle. I'm sorry, I man, I, I, I'm just three years from now. You're gonna say something to me. I'm gonna be like, man, what was that? And you're like, hey, remember, remember that coach <laughs> yeah. rankings episode? That's right. In, That's uh, right. Fe- February 23rd, uh, uh, 2024. Um, here's why I had Rick in the in the next group. I mean, number one is he got fired because his best player and all time great hated him. That's yes. not yeah. that that that's I, I think just from the emotional standpoint, I can't quite get on board. I also haven't liked the thrust of their defense this year. I think that they, for a lot of the year, and it's still evolving now that they got Pascal Siakam, they're moving Aaron Neesmith to the three. Like I think actually, to me, with the talent that they have now, they should be like 
actually pretty decent so i, I want to see how that plays out the rest of the year uh mm-hmm. especially now that, that tyrese is healthy but the way that they i, I think his approach of like we're going to just limit threes at all costs like they're just getting completely destroyed at the rim every game and particularly like if you look at like the in-season tournament final for example they're selling out to take away three-pointers they have one of the lower opponent three-point attempt rates and they get destroyed at the rim and i thought when they were so under talented defensively that they should have taken the opposite kind of budenholzery approach of just packing the paint let opponents shoot threes but try to take something away and so i just didn't think that and particularly when you have someone like miles turner i thought that like selling out to take away the three-point line like that to me was not working um i mean maybe the thought was like well if they're shooting twos and we have this great offense they can't beat us but i i thought i didn't like that approach as much but i'll echo everything you said about playing with pace and helping tyrese halliburton develop and they brought some of the guys that they brought in like neesmith have flourished uh, under him so i i'm very interested to see though like it's it's I think they have enough talent to be up there now with kind of that next group of East teams. And especially if they get it in the playoffs for the first time, it's just, it's been a little bit too long to, I mean, he hasn't made it to the second round of the playoffs since 2011. What about making the final of the in-season tournament, though? Tournament tough. <laughs> He's tournament tough, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I mean, they definitely, he deserves some credit there. I, this is more, this is nitpicking, obviously, but if we're talking about this level, I think the biggest thing, though, is just that he's got, he's a little abrasive. So that, that's why I would have it a mm-hmm. slightly lower. And that showed up in some relationships with players over the years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I think my next guy to talk about would have to be Nick Nurse. Uh, I think he's until things are kind of falling apart injury wise in Philly uh, I think he he showed that if he was the problem in Toronto which maybe everyone was last year that he's certainly capable of being a very solid regular season coach and we've seen him do well in the playoffs I think the bloom was off the rose in the 22 playoffs then obviously last year for him but I think he he's proven that that to me was an aberration and the overall track record has been uh, very successful so he's got to be in this group for me too i had him at the top of my next group okay so who who else like is the, in this then for you we could talk uh, in a second yeah the other guy i had i had him number three uh and we haven't seen him coach a playoff series yet but mark dagnall oh you're on board you're you're on the date train now huh <laughs> i just Good. think like welcome regular on season-wise, welcome on john re- regular season he has nothing left to prove like we'll see how the postseason goes for him but in terms of uh being tactically flexible in terms of designing something that worked with a unique roster where nobody can get a rebound like this five out style is just completely flummoxing uh other teams he's he's very quick to uh push different buttons especially if it looks like a game's getting away from him and you know he'll go he'll change defenses at at different at different times he'll you know he'll go small and play his own and all of a sudden the other team's thrown off kilter or uh he'll you know he'll insert different players depending on tactical situations like he's not just he's not locked into a single rotation and yet at the same time like he's managed to develop players while also managing to mostly not play the bad ones so i think that's been a uh like a potentially hard thing to navigate that he's done pretty well 
Yeah, I agree with you that the regular season record has been awesome. And I did, in fact, have him in this tier, although I, I think towards the bottom, just because we haven't seen it in the postseason yet. Uh, but I thought even last night, uh, he just, all right, we're just going to not start Josh Giddy in the second half. We're going to go. Yeah, the right. And they yeah. just kill him in, in the second half. Um, You, you know, I, I think there's just he's and yeah, the development of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, putting him in position to succeed. Jalen Williams is maturing into an all-star level of talent under his watch. Chet Holmgren. I think the the way that they've brought him along has been fantastic, giving him some freedom offensively, but also having him play within the structure that's needed. Uh, the way that they force turnovers, you know, leaning into this identity of being like a, a little bit there. Lou Dort is another guy who's developed incredibly well on his own. I mean, there's a reason this is like the youngest team, basic to be this good since the last Thunder team that was this young yeah. and this good. But I think even that team probably had more high-end talent than this team like i think this team has really developed more you know case and wallace all right rookie starter number 10 pick not just right into the rotation no problem kenrich williams a guy off the scrap heap aaron wiggins a guy off off the scrap heap who they've gotten something out of uh really been and you know a lot of these pieces are not like perfect pieces but he's gotten them to fit all together and yeah some of the guard screening action prioritizing spacing their pace the way they run uh is something that doesn't get talked about enough particularly after opponent makes like every time an opponent drives and makes a layup and flies into the stanchion the thunder like it seems like score within five seconds going back the other way it's really uh i love everything about this guy's coaching and i just i can't wait to see it in the playoffs as we will this year but it's just there's so many things that you can it's it's not like this weird alchemy it's like oh no you can point to all of these specific things that he does on a nightly basis he keeps everyone engaged too like he'll he he still likes to experiment like he'll play some guys in the deep bench as well uh but not have those guys kill him it's it's been a remarkable ascendance for him and yeah i i just i want to see what's going to happen in the playoffs but it's rare that someone could be so good in the regular season for me to get to this level in the, yeah. my opinion they're coaching but he's he's done that uh lost a challenge last night which wounded me he's he's <laughs> i think he's the best in the league at not only like not only does he win challenges but he picks high value situations in which to yeah. use them and, and obviously it's another thing we should probably say is a caveat is when we talk about these guys, we're talking about usually their staffs as well, right? It's hard to yes. divorce uh, what a coach is doing with the their staff. So, you know, if he looks to the back of the bench, those guys are, are obviously doing a really good job. But of course, he has created a process in which they're all going to be successful. I mean, so, so much of that, I think, is just having your guys in the back row just actually know what the rules are, right? Like that's yeah, and to see a play and be able to look at it the same way a referee would before you you challenge it but yeah and then you mentioned the high value challenges as well so yeah i mean he's in terms of just who do i want to watch coach a game he is probably number one for me right now in, in terms of the regular season ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads the squeak of shoes on a basketball court the crack of the bat on a home run the slice of skates cutting across the ice but what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month, experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. 
From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Should we go back to, to Nurse? You, did you have him in this group? Or you, or you, you had him below, right? I had him at the top of the next group. Okay, um, so so uh, yeah. Why does he? Why do you think he sucks then? <laughs> I don't think he sucks. I just <laughs> like the the run in Toronto wasn't crazy long, and then he's had the one year in Philly where it's gone fine. Um, you know, has he? Is he fi- I mean, fine. I feel like that's, right. that's a little that that's a damn, is that is that a little harsh? I, I think so. Yeah. Well, are do you just feel like they should be doing better without Embiid? Is that your uh, part of your reasoning there um it is a it is a little jarring how much they've gone off the rails although they they've definitely uh they've lost a couple of other guys too they're definitely getting minutes from some like kind of bad players right now um which which doesn't help yeah i guess there's just been nothing like it's been good there's been nothing like remarkable about it to me i don't know I, I be, well, I right, can, can i make the case i, I think okay you know, kind of turning Embiid into like a Jokic light, I think has been awesome mm-hmm. th- this year. I, I think his uh, ability to kind of change up uh, their angles of attack, just give Joel Embiid the ball more, averaging a, a ton of assists, using him to change sides of the floor, much more handoff game, much more motion off the ball so that teams couldn't load up on Embiid as much. I mean, giving Joel even more freedom, getting away from some of the more static post-ups that, that occurred under Doc Rivers, uh, navigating the fact that they really don't have a traditional point guard helping Embiid and Maxi develop that two-man game to be arguably even more deadly than the Harden Embiid one was. Uh, I think that they were very, very good defensively when Joel was healthy also, which is not something that's always been the case. I, I mean, like, when Joel is playing, I mean, these, what is Joel's net rating on the season? Like, it's like over 10, right? Let me look that up. Like, uh, And obviously, that was his plan now they and they have had a billion injuries since uh in addition to joel but yeah so joel's on court net rating yeah 10.1 <laughs> that's, that's uh that, pretty that's pretty good yeah so and you know pretty close to number one defense when joel is on the floor um i i've just been very impressed by how he used Embiid, and i was i was hopeful that this was going to be the year that Embiid could really get it going in the playoffs in part because you know he's catching the ball on the move more he's working working is more of a hub there they've got more off ball movement so i think there's a lot of things you could point to that he implemented that were good this year but of course with joel being out it's kind of falling apart and still 32 and 23 still a you know on on their way to maybe winning 50 if they can get get it back together yeah so so i guess and i also still was a big believer in his coaching going back to like 2019 2020 i mean those are two of the better coaching jobs that we've seen i would say and he, he is a really creative coach i think what do you make of like his willingness to play guys a ton of minutes uh it's yeah that's that's interesting i mean it hasn't it hasn't bitten him in terms of in terms of injuries so you know you just wonder in terms of uh fatigue especially in in toronto where i i get that the bench wasn't very good but uh, where they were asked to like trap so much on defense and kind of fly around and and play that many minutes, uh, you wonder about that a little bit. Yeah, they played like a very isolation heavy style. 
I would say what's occurred in Toronto since he left, and particularly the first part of this year, we felt maybe like they were underachieving last year, but maybe actually getting to 41 and 41 with that Toronto group was like not that bad. Right. Given what's occurred since then. It's, I mean, we'll get into it probably in the second part of this episode, but yeah, it's been been a little disappointing this year in Toronto, even before the trades. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially before the trades. It's kind of a, uh, now obviously they didn't have Fred Van Vliet. He was a, a pretty key piece also um but yeah and i think toronto's development did kind of go off the rails. like that was a big feather in nick nurse's cap years ago but i think they didn't really develop many guys other than scotty barnes and you mentioned how they just didn't have the bench and I, I think that was part of partially his fault because he just wasn't playing those guys. Not like any of those guys, you know, Malachi Flynn. It's not like he's been uh, blowing up, you know, since he, he got out from under Nick Nurse's thumb here. So it, it may not be all Nick Nurse's fault, but the development record hasn't been as good under him. I think getting more out of Tyrese Maxey this year has been pretty impressive as well. I mean, this is a, kind of a flawed Philly team. They they managed James Harden being absent as well. So I, I think he's, yeah, I'd, I'd put him at the lower end of this group still a, a guy i, I just i, I kind of wonder if like is playing guys this many minutes who can like identifying the guys who can handle it and playing them this many minutes is that like kind of a cheat code or you know is that why everyone on the knicks is injured <laughs> right now yeah yeah um so i think yo know, did you have anyone else that you said you had nurse at the beginning of the next tier yeah. i had carlisle at the beginning of the next tier so who do we have so far we have tier one at spo and then mm. yeah i think i am gonna have to go number two michael malone at this point i agree with you there yeah, I think there's one other guy in this group we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, okay. Ty Lu. Okay, so he was the next name on my list, but not not in tier two for you. Uh, so here he's in uh, tier three for me. Okay, um, that that was a tough call. I I do think he's like as a playoff coach, he he does make some good adjustments. I think the argument on him is that he sometimes makes them really late. Yes, um, I think his uh, like they they've they've managed to do some good stuff with with Harden there now. I think sometimes they can just get a little static and. Lean a little too much on their on their stars uh figuring out a role for Westbrook uh I think I think Westbrook had a part in that too when he was finally willing to say he was he'd be okay coming off the bench because that team was a freaking disaster with Westbrook starting with even with the other three stars uh and then they immediately kind of righted the ship (laughs) yeah I, I almost wonder if he like intentionally sabotage the Westbrook starting lineup so he right. could just get him out like the, 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 just playing the long game there but it, I agree I mean to like Russell Westbrook killed the Lakers on a, a frankly a somewhat similar team mm-hmm. the last couple of years and then to actually like have him be an effective player in last year's playoffs he's gotten Russell Westbrook to defend which nobody had done since I don't know like Scott Brooks in 2009 like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I like, yeah, I, I think the play, if you ask the players, I would guess that they would say Ty Lue's the best coach, which I don't agree with them. I don't think that players know what they're talking about a lot of those instances, but a lot of times it's a self fulfilling prophecy, particularly if you have stars. And, you know, obviously LeBron James is the utmost respect for him. And he's had a, a lot of really good playoff runs, even though I think the 21 run was a little overrated because that, that was the, the time where I was like, yeah, you know, Ty Lue, uh, he, he makes the adjustments that he should have started the series. 
series with you know yeah, like that yeah. that was kind of my joke about him but i i think this it was not like obvious that this clippers team when healthy was going to be like one of the best teams in the league this year and i, I think that yeah he's it's certainly he certainly has never underachieved i think you you have to say that right yeah i think that's fair and, and you know certainly is a, is a guy who gets buy-in from players you know they haven't i don't know that ty Lue's really presided over any like huge development success stories no, I mean, he hasn't really had the teams that have uh, focused. I mean, t- probably Terrence Mann would be the biggest one. Yeah, Zubats maybe. You know, I think Zubats has been really effective this year. Um, yeah, those would probably be the two. Oh, no. Uh, you know who's been good this year? Amir Coffey. Yeah, who they just decided not to play for two years in a row. I, I think that's actually an underrated story of why they've improved was like just starting to play him more to just have someone who can make a shot and is adequate defensively. They just were missing that guy in the rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in the playoffs this year. Like Ty Lue, if they, if they win the championship or they, you know, they beat the Nuggets or whatever, like he's maybe right back up near, you know, in the number two number three range i i still i have enough respect for his track record that i i put him in this group although maybe a little bit more towards uh, i don't know it's tough i mean it's really tough for me to say hey mark dagnall should be higher than ty Lu when mark just hasn't had the playoff success even even if as i watch mark dagnall in a regular season game i you know i think that he's you know a probably a better game to game regular season coach strategically than ty Lu, in my opinion uh yeah so so give me your your tier two then is malone dagnalt kerr uh yeah i think you might have convinced me on nurse versus carlisle okay i, th- I think you might have convinced me to promote nurse and and move rick down one peg yeah those guys carlisle and nurse have kind of some similarities actually i would say yes <laughs> that's i think that's very true but what a, what a head of hair on that nurse though let me tell you oh, like that's god where, where did where did he go to school iowa man that's a that's just uh just that 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 luscious topsoil just rub it all over your head and you just you're gonna have a, a th- thick head of hair <laughs> Man, tough tough crowd today okay so so yeah malone yeah i, I agree with you with malone at two i had dagnalt nurse kerr and Ty Lu in my so that's my tier two two through six range and yeah i've got kerr in there too let's do let's do a couple more guys here who else did you uh who is next highest on your list that we haven't talked about yet next guy in my list frank vogel yeah, he he's a tough one for me. I thought he did a very good job with the Lakers. He was sabotaged by the Westbrook thing. Totally. Look, how do yeah. you think he's been doing this year? Okay, <laughs> I, 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 I it's a it's a little bit of a tough eval with that with that team. Uh, you know, hasn't re- haven't really seen as much of their peak team as we'd like. I. I actually think he's done a pretty good job of mixing in these secondary players who aren't uh, like amazing stars and getting enough out of them and, you know, realizing pretty quickly that that Grayson Allen should start and play a lot. Um, I think there's been too much Eric Gordon. Uh, but on, on the other hand, I, th- I think most of his other decisions like have, have worked out pretty well in terms of in terms of which guys he should ride with. I think the biggest thing that bothers me is just how atrocious they've been in fourth quarters. I, I think he definitely has to own some of that. I agree with you that the roster is weird. He has to play a traditional center all the time. He hasn't had a single playable point guard. All these guys they brought in to play on the wing just have all sucked. You know, Nasir Little and Yuta Watanabe and Kate Bates-Zieff. They end up having to play those guys away. Josh Kogi can't shoot. 
So they've, and of course, Bradley Beal, when Beal's been healthy, I think they've kind of been the team that they were supposed to be, but that's uh, been pretty rare. Um, you do have to say like, man, like look at the seasons they're getting out of Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, like shouldn't they be better? But they really, you know, Yusuf Nurkic is a low end starter. Allen's been good, but he's a low end starter. Eric Gordon, I'm just, I'm not sure who else they're supposed to be playing over him, uh, particularly when Beal has been out. You know, Damian Lee missed the entire season, basically. Um, so I, yeah, I, I'm... I would say like his 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 tenure has been like neutral this year. Like I don't know that he's done a bad job. It's hard for me to point to anything that he's done like amazingly well. The fourth quarter collapses. Like so yeah, some of that's due to his stars just having brain cramps and not having a point guard and you know sky high turnover rate in the fourth. But uh, you know certainly to not be able to stanch the bleeding in some of these you know twenty five point turnaround fourth quarters it does go on him a little bit. Uh, I couldn't put him quite this high. Eh, I don't know. I think I had him in like the eleven to twelve range. Okay. At this point, I mean, okay. I guess a lot of us, I thought his Lakers tenure was woefully underrated, but I also, you know, he, he's obviously a very competent NBA head coach, but I, I'm just, I, I can't point to anything that he's done that was like so good this year, o- other than just kind of figuring out who could play and who can't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, I think so he was, I, he I, was next on your list though. Uh, yeah. I mean, I gave him, I gave him credit for that championship run with the, with the Lakers. Yeah. And that's, that's a recent enough thing on his resume where, where I thought that really mattered. A contrast to a couple other people that I think we'll get to later. Yeah, well, um, and, and 21, I thought he had a really good coaching performance also. It's just then that they you know, weren't healthy. Like, I, I think they probably beat Phoenix in 21 if AD doesn't go down. And LeBron was dealing with the, the high ankle sprain that year. You know, he was really limited. Yeah. And I thought he still, like, got that team to really defend even when AD was out, which was big. Um, yeah, so he would have been, what, like, number nine for you? Is that where we are right now? I had him at eight at eight okay yeah i had him at 11 i think i like mike braun better than frank bogle i was really really and it's amazing to say this given what he did in cleveland and then you know his one year basically with the lakers i thought he was awesome in the playoffs last year against the warriors and they just ultimately ran out of steam because they just have some limitations and Fox got hurt and their their offense fell apart in game seven but I thought he was a step ahead of Steve Kerr in terms of the adjustments that entire series with pretty limited personnel uh mm-hmm. ultimately maybe in the game seven you would say they should have just straight up double team Steph Curry as he was putting up 50 uh but I thought uh, I mean there's a reason the Warriors were behind basically that whole series and uh, Mike Brown obviously was coach of the year I think was he the unanimous coach of the year I think year? he was yeah yeah, I, and I, I thought he he really he deserved that. Uh, the Kings are punching above their point differential again this year. Uh, I think he's he's kind of set the right tone for them emotionally and i mean if you look at i thought he was really good in the playoffs in 23 and then he also went undefeated in the playoffs in 2017 i thought he actually coached a really good playoffs when steve kerr was out. i think golden state has really missed mike brown as well since he left i think they have not been the same defensively since he left i mean if you look at this the king's defense these last few years they were in the 20s last year but they kind of got unlucky in terms of uh opponents making shots at an at unsustainable rate and then this year they they They've kind of stayed above 500 more because their defense has been respectable, which I have no idea how that's the case when you look at who they have on this team. Yeah, that's been that's been a, a he's definitely gotten a lot more defensively out of like De'Aaron Fox in particular. I think he's been really good on defense. Yeah. Uh, so on the negative side, I do think he's been like flailing a little bit with the rotation this year. Now you would say, well, yeah, he only has seven guys who can play. Of course, he's flailing. Um, yeah. So the, but, the the Davion Mitchell versus Keon Ellis. Uh, <laughs> 
night tonight, tete a tete. I mean, that's uh, I, I don't envy him that decision. Uh, uh, I think he's uh, kind of bad at challenges, like tends to. Take uh, yeah, ones. he is. He may be the worst challenging coach in the league. That's yeah. true. He really, I think, yeah. he really gets kind of fed up in the emotion uh, of the challenges. That's, uh, I think, that's true. He's really bad at that. So I, I had him, at, I had him kind of at the top of the next tier down. Um, I had him at him 11th. Yeah. He's someone I wanted to talk about. I mean, I'm not, I would probably have him above Vogel. I, I think those guys have uh, some similarities to him. Uh, you know, I, I, th- I had Mike Braun kind of more in the high teens last year. And I thought his playoffs and then the fact that they've continued to see succeed while winning, by the way, 5.2 games more than your point differential would have expected, which is number one in the league. But this is actually the second year they've outperformed their point differential pretty well, I think. So I don't know if they're, if they're 500 right now maybe i feel a little bit differently and that you could make the argument that they've been a little lucky this year but i i think the fact that I'm i was still, really impressed i was at all all seven of those playoff games last year i was just really yeah. impressed with the job that he did overall okay okay yeah i i'm curious where this team ends up in the standings because yeah i i think if, of those 10 teams in the west the king's uh, raw talent i mean are the king's 10th yeah, I would say so. But if they exceed that, then that's that's got to be a feather in yeah. his cap. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once, starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The two guys I had, speaking of like birds of a feather, the two guys I had at 9 and 10 were Ime Odoka and Joe Mazzula. Yes, I suppose so. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about those two guys. We could finish up uh, on that. I... I had a couple other guys in the mix with them too, but I think there's good argument for for them. Let, let's talk Udoka. I mean, this is Ime Udoka has only coached a season and a half in the league, as crazy as it is to think of. Yeah, uh, got Boston to the finals his first year, uh, re- really behind elite defense, and then has completely turned around Houston defensively. Completely turned them around. Uh, obviously, some of the players they brought in help, but like Shingun is a completely different player on defense. Uh, as a team, they actually like run back on defense which they didn't do at all <laughs> before yeah. I, I mean this uh, group is i realize they brought in some new guys but for them to be the number five defense in the league is very impressive and i think you could feel them like falling off a little like with some of the attrition with the injuries and stuff but i also think he's he's brought Amon thompson and cam whitmore along really nicely and now those two are like freaking jolt cola off the bench when they come in together uh, Jabari Smith has developed nicely. I think Jalen Green even has... He, he hasn't been nearly as atrocious defensively as he was in the past. Yeah, and and I think some of his decision-making at the offensive end is, is trending the right way. So I, I think there's just... He has a lot of successes to point to. Um, I think the thing that held him back 
a little bit in Boston. We'll see what happens in, in Houston. It's just kind of offensive creativity. And yeah, I, I, I mean, I thought, and they, I thought and it at was the easy for Golden State to guard them. Yeah, yeah and at the, at the end of games especially. Yeah, they, they have won 5.1 games fewer than expected based on their point differential. They actually have a positive point differential. I'm more inclined to give them credit for the positive point differential than yeah. debit for the way that they've played in the clutch, particularly since they don't necessarily have like a great clutch option. But I agree with you. I mean, they're not like running crazy stuff, but I, I think it's also still maybe been lost, like how weird this roster is. And particularly with Ben Fleet out, you know, he's again, so incredibly important for them. Um, they don't have any kind of a normal backup center on this team. I mean, this is a young team, largely like getting a young team to defend like this. Yes. Even if they do have, uh, you know, your Amen Thompson's like some of these uh, Jabari Smith, like young guys who are supposed to be good on defense, like actually getting that to come together to defend and with the center like Shingun is very very impressive to me and he's another one of these guys too that i think the players really seem to respond to um, yes. I, I think he's a he's a guy that if you ask players they would have a lot of respect for him yeah and then missoula i think was you know thrown into a difficult situation and handled it quite well um he you know in the in the playoffs you could you could argue he he wasn't at his best in the in the philly and miami series although i mean tatum getting injured in the first quarter of game seven obviously didn't help him out any yeah no one no one remembers that that happened by the way isn't it crazy? it's just like oh yeah like the like jason tatum was playing on one leg in that game like yeah they ended up losing by 25 or whatever but uh like i mean boston could have still won that series i, I think you might argue oh you know he got him down three zero like the, he was too slow to react to, in some ways to what miami was doing you know all right like how the fuck are you supposed to react to uh, caleb martin becoming uh you know vince carter I, i'm not sure but yeah. uh well actually he played well in the playoffs so maybe he's not vince carter maybe he's a <laughs> i'm not sure burr Re- come on reggie, don't reggie do, miller we'll call reggie don't miller. do that to a former grizzlies legend great had a hair on that vince carter too oh Man, this is. <laughs> I'm definitely. This is, right, I gotta this get is more wor- sleep. This is, this the, is this unbelievable. Is the worst episode. We're never doing a morning episode again. <laughs> I was the one that asked for this too. Normally, yes. Normally, I'm. Uh, yeah, N- noon is our normal recording time here. Um, yeah, but I, I think uh, just the overall creativity, the scheme versatility, uh, having had a training camp, you know, which he basically. I mean, I guess he did last year. It happened like right on the eve of training camp. Uh, the the firing, but having a staff now of good support, I, I think, has really helped him. You know, he was I, I, to get that team to play as well as they did last year was impressive. I I admire his willingness to stick to his principles. Like, no, we're going to take a lot of threes. These are good threes. We've get, we have like a, a really good offense. Uh, yeah, could we attack the paint more? Get get to the line a little bit more? Sure, that'd be nice. But like, this is what we're built to do. Uh, I think the way they've incorporated Porzingis has been impressive. I'd like yes. to see Drew Holiday maybe get a like. I think they need to figure out a way to get him going before the playoffs. But I mean, they've been the best team in basketball. Like, it wasn't. I thought they'd be really good, but you know at a minimum you have to say he's he's hasn't fucked it up right like he's got to be at least at neutral um, yeah and he's and he's figured out how to get good minutes from like marginal players like yeah, when you look Luke at Cornette. what he's gotten from Cornet, you know Brissett, Kata, guys like that uh sam hauser they brought along so virginia guy yeah oh and he really executes incredibly well too uh but yeah i think that's that's an important thing to note too is that uh he's able to find ways to use guys to their strengths he's not 
not like okay i gotta just we can only play five out that's the only way we're ever going to succeed or we can only switch we can only have defensive versatility like he's managed to change things up to get something out of rob williams or porzingis or Cornet, who's a good rim protector, or Keita when he when he's or Keita, excuse me, when somebody is hurt. Like, and they, I think they've played really well. Like, it's not like they've been a paragon of health this year, other than Tatum and Brown, and yet they've yeah. still managed to not miss a beat. Really, you know, when Porzingis misses games or whatever, like they slide guys in that works. That's that's definitely something that I appreciate. So yeah, I mean, you know, people get on him about the timeouts and stuff like that. I just I think I uh, admire his coaching confidence, um, and and he does he coaches another guy who just i gets a few bonus points for me because his philosophy kind of lines up with my own basketball philosophies mm-hmm. but you know if they flame out in the playoffs this year maybe it's not gonna be his, that great and yeah, yeah his ranking could change a lot this spring certainly and I think even emotionally, they've had a lot of moments where they've been on the ropes and like they're down 3-2 to Philly. Uh, you know, they've had some, you'd say, well, they shouldn't have been so bad in that game five. They shouldn't have been so bad in that game one against Philly when they didn't have him beat and Harden went crazy and they shouldn't go down 3-0 to Miami. They're favored in both of those series. And, you know, I, I think that's probably the biggest reason for apprehension with him. But as a regular season coach, you can't complain. And he also was able to keep this team in a situation where they're able to come back in both of those series and he was able to make adjustments and he was able to keep them emotionally engaged so yeah this is about the range that i would have him i would say i still need to sort out exactly where that will be but that will be for another time because john we must sadly eliminate a basketball team from the playoffs we had our first difference last time february 2nd i eliminated brooklyn and you eliminated the toronto raptors i went first last time it is your turn to go first this time well if i eliminated the toronto raptors last time and they beat the brooklyn nets by 90 <laughs> then then obviously i should eliminate brooklyn this time Oof. so so it is so it is um yeah, I mean, do you, do you have anything you want to say a little more about Brooklyn? I mean, that we had the Jock Vaughn firing. They brought in Kevin Ollie. I mean, what's uh, there's been a lot of talk actually nationally about Brooklyn this year. But w- what is the state of the Nets as we go forward? Yeah, they. I think they have a lot of ha- like a lot of decent players, but they don't really have a tentpole star. They thought Bridges could maybe be that guy, and I don't think that's quite what he is. So having a true like number one guy, I think would help them a lot. I I do think there were some questions about what Jock was viewing, but I, I'm not sh- I'm still not sure Jock was the central problem as opposed to like the roster <laughs> being the central problem. Um, I, you know, you hear uh, Budenholzer might be a guy, you know, Marks and him go back to San Antonio. So I, I, I do think that's a hire the Nets have to get right. They're on their, it, that regime is going to be on their fourth coach. So I think, I think that'll be really interesting. But I, I think they need one more kind of A-level uh, high usage guy there to really make the offense work. And, and I do not mean Cam Thomas when I say that. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Yeah, I, it, 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 well, he is a high usage guy. We can, he, he, yes, yeah, yeah. But uh, having uh, Vinny Johnson as your number one scorer is probably usually not going to work out <laughs> too well Vinny for you. Johnson, great pull. Yeah, I mean, this game kind of reminds me of Vinny Johnson. Like he's like mm-hmm. kind of a big body, going to take a ton of contested jumpers. Like doesn't really get by anybody. Um, yeah. yeah, I think uh, watching the Jazz last night, and particularly, I mean, so the Jazz are three and a half behind Golden State in the tenth seed right now. The 
wraps are four and a half behind atlanta in the 10th seed in the east i just i think this is this pick is going to be more about how good those teams at the bottom of the west play in are vis-a-vis the east teams right like the the bulls the hawks you know you could see those teams just falling off like the raps i think actually like they're gonna be pushing they just got kelly olenic hopefully they're gonna be healthy like they have young guys that they're who are like part of their core that they're trying to get better like i they're still probably not gonna try to like tank down for their pick i just don't think that that's something they're gonna try to do whereas the utah jazz also have a top 10 protected pick they're starting taylor Hendricks now you know they're playing bryce sensabaugh off the bench can't they basically they got three rookies in their rotation just the feel of that game that i saw last night in utah where they, they lost to the hornets uh it just like I, i'm not saying i would be doing any differently as the jazz but particularly given the teams that they're chasing and how you know the lakers warriors are pretty hot right now the kings are yeah. seven games ahead of the jazz right now in the eighth seed uh i think ultimately i'm gonna have to eliminate the jazz rather than my beloved toronto raptors <laughs> okay <laughs> Um, you know, I, I know you talked about this with Zach Lowe last week. Um, so I, I think I, I'm very interested to get a look at these Utah rookies. You know, Hendricks is intriguing. It'd be nice if they let him touch the ball when he's not standing in the corner. And if they had him stand somewhere other than the corner, like the most motion that he had in their half court offense was if they ran a pick and roll on one side and he was in the strong side corner, they would just tell him to run to the opposite corner. That was basically <laughs> it. But he did. He managed to have 12 points in the third quarter just off of like offensive rebounds and cuts and stuff so that was um i think he's like a live body i thought it was interesting that they're using him more on the wing like trying to get over screens uh as like you know they've had him guarding brandon miller rather than as sort of that like secondary rim protector role but they're starting with john collins and larry marketing but again this is why i'm gonna eliminate utah for the playoffs because they're you know they're uh, bryce sensabaugh is guarding the opponent's primary pick and roll threat off the bench he looked i thought a little little more spry but yeah i think that's this utah is just they're not headed for the playoffs and they have the top 10 protected picks. So I'm going to go ahead and eliminate them. Uh, last night's loss. Uh, so they tied Houston and Atlanta in the loss column in the uh, in the chase for, uh, for to be in the bottom 10. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. And yeah, it's just it's if you're playing these three rookies in your rotation, I, it's just hard for me to believe that they can win that many more games. Like if they're not going to beat Charlotte at home, Charlotte's playing better. But like if they're and they also the three point gods were not with them last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't want to doubt Will Hardy, who I kind of wish we'd talked about. He'll be right up there for me in, in part two. But uh, alas, I fear it is time to go. And uh, Interstate 80 awaits uh, for the drive back to the to the Bay Area and uh, Danny and I will be right back tomorrow morning and then I think we're going to have six days in a row of shows right after that so thanks so much for subscribing here on Dunkdown Prime and John and I will be back uh, mid next week to finish this out till then hope you enjoyed that free episode of Hollinger and Duncan if you want to get the rest of the coach rankings in every episode of Hollinger and Duncan Every episode of Dunk Don with Nate and Danny, all of my daily dunks, all of Seth Pertnow's written analysis, access to our cap sheets, access to our Discord. We'd love for you to subscribe to Dunk Don Prime at dunkdon.supportingcast.fm. That's dunkdon.supportingcast.fm. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. 
Amiga. Empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.